Hello, Heritage. We have come to a significant moment in the life of our church. In just a few minutes, we'll be installing Sean Cosson as the fifth senior pastor in the history of Heritage Church. It's a formal ceremony, and it's a ritual. And we're a pretty informal church, so some of you, the next few minutes, will seem a little out of character. But God isn't an opponent of ritual. In fact, Jesus established a ritual in Holy Communion. Weddings are filled with ritual. Significant moments are often marked by meaningful ritual. So we invite you to lean into this moment, listen carefully to the words, pray for an anointing of God on our leaders here tonight. Dr. Al Garaki is the, super, the district superintendent of the Wesleyan Church for the state of Illinois. He's a fan of heritage, he's a great leader, and he's here today to lead this sacred and historic transition of leadership. So would you, along with myself, welcome Dr. Al Garaki. Thank you. Thank you. It's an honor to be here today at Heritage Church. And uh, every time I'm here, when I walk into the building, I just get, um, I just get that sense of love and unity. And um, I want to tell you something. It's not like that at all churches. And so um, I just want to just say I'm grateful to be here. And I thank God for all of the people of Heritage Church. And and it's, it's interesting, we're, we're doing um, the installation service tonight, and these are two of my friends. I've, I've known these guys, you know, I've known you for 10 years already. We went to school together at Indiana Wesleyan University, and uh, um, what a great leader that you have in Pastor John, and he has uh, been a mentor to myself and a great friend. And then, of course, Pastor Sean tonight um, is going to be installed as the, the senior pastor here at Heritage, and so... You guys pick some really good pastors, amen? All right, you do. You do. And Pastor Dan did a great job of explaining ritual. I, I grew up in the Catholic Church and, and uh, did a lot of ritual in the Catholic Church. And ritual can be rote. It can be kind of like, oh man, let's just get through this thing. Or it can be rich. And so tonight I, I pray that it will be rich for Heritage Church as we install the fifth pastor here in the history of this church. And I'm going to actually ask you guys to do a little bit of interactive church tonight, okay? So it's, it's going to be rich because I'm going to have you participate in this installation service, all right? And so um, I'm going to get to the ritual right now. You can stand right here, brother. Dear friends, we are assembled before God to install the Reverend Sean Cosson, who has answered your call to become the pastor of this church and whose installation has been duly authorized by the Illinois District of the Wesleyan Church. Dear fellow minister, the duties of your holy office are clearly set forth in the word of God. As an ambassador of our Lord Jesus Christ, you are first of all to preach both the law and the gospel as they're comprehended in the holy scriptures and defined in the, the discipline of the Wesleyan Church. This you are to do without any addition of your private opinion, as the apostle admonishes. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. Whatever is contrary to sound doctrine shall be refuted with all restraint. As the scripture warns, the Lord's servant must not quarrel, instead he must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Those who oppose him he must gently instruct. Those who are committed to your pastoral care are to be diligently admonished to walk in the commandments of the Lord blamelessly. 
The erring are to be warned with the fidelity which the word of the Lord demands of faithful pastors as the prophet Ezekiel instructed. Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. You are also to be a, a steward of the holy sacraments which you are to administer to the comfort of troubled souls. In view of the Savior's gracious words, let the little children come to me. The children and, and youth of the church must, in a special sense, be the object of your pastoral instruction and care. The measure of faithfulness with which you are to seek the erring is set forth in the Holy Scriptures, in the words of the Apostle Paul who said, I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. The example of holy men and women of God will impel you to pray diligently for your people and to be a pattern unto them in faith and good works. Do you therefore earnestly purpose to diligently fulfill these duties and thus be able in this life to answer before the Wesleyan Church and the Church Universal and in the life to come to give an account before the judgment seat of Christ? If so, say, yes, I do so purpose by the help of God. Yes, I do so purpose by the help of God. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. Heritage Church, would you please rise? And now, dear friends, I admonish you to receive as your pastor the Reverend Sean Cusson, whom God has given you. Accept the word of God as preached by his messenger to you, whether it be for your comfort, your admonition, or your instruction. Even as Christ has said, consider carefully how you will listen. Use all diligence that your children receive instruction in the Christian faith and are present with you in the services at God's house in accordance with the counsel of the Apostle Paul to Christian parents to bring children up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Pray for your pastor that the ministry offered in this place may tend to the salvation of thousands of souls. Honor and esteem the one who is to minister to your souls. As the, apostle, as the Apostle Paul exhorts, respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. Okay, Heritage. Do you now, as becomes a Christian church, accept these obligations? If so, say, yes, by the help of God. Yes, by the help of God. Upon these, your solemn mutual promises, I now install you, the Reverend Sean Cosson, as pastor of Heritage Church, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Would you, yes, give him a hand. He's your new senior pastor. And, and what better way for us to begin this moment as, as, as your new senior pastor that if we as a church pray for him. Sean, would you please kneel? Beth, Daniel, Joshua, come up, come on up here.
I want you all, as you're standing here, I want you to lift your hand or hands up towards the Kassin family and your new pastor. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we just, uh, we pause in, in, uh, in the silence of, of this room because we truly sense, um, Father, that you're here. Your Holy Spirit is here and, and God, you are um, moving. Thank you that you brought Sean and Beth and Joshua and Daniel to Heritage. And we just pray that, Father, in, in the days and weeks and months ahead and the years ahead, that you just continue to draw them closer to one another as a family. But God, we pray that you would draw them closer to yourself. Protect them from the evil one that will try to disrupt their family and just protect them and guide them in their steps. Be with this precious family. And Father God, we, we pray for the, this church, Heritage Church. Sometimes we say that it's our church or John's church or Sean's church or whatever, but God, it's your church. Jesus said, I will build my church. And God, you are as good as your word. Build this church. It is yours. And may the gates of hell not prevail against it. And, and Father, use all the great people of Heritage Church to preach the good news of Jesus wherever they go. But right now, Heavenly Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit right now will fall in a new and fresh way on Brother Sean's mind and heart and spirit. And just give him a double portion of your spirit tonight. An anointing, God, that is fresh. An anointing that is different. Anointing that is creative. And just be with him. Bless him and guide him. And God, bless and guide your church. And we pray all of these things tonight in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Give this family a hand. Amen. and have a seat. Here's a question I've been pondering a little bit lately. What do you do when your tomorrows become today? 41 years ago, I stood in the pulpit of Heritage Church for the very first time. There were some things we had a lot of and some things we had nothing of or hardly any of. We had hardly any people. There were 24 of us that first Sunday. Uh, we had no money. We were three months behind on every bill we had. And I had no experience. I turned 23 the first week I came here. And uh, whatever you are, smart-wise or not, you're just not experienced. i tell you what we had plenty of. We had plenty of problems. Um, we had plenty of power from God himself. And I had plenty of days that stretched out before me in, in a seemingly limitless fashion into a future that just would last forever. Today, about 4,000 people call Heritage their church home. We make a difference in this community and around the world. Things have changed that way. And other things have changed as well. Uh, all my seeming string of endless tomorrows have come to a screeching today. And uh, I uh, was not senior pastor as of three minutes ago. Or four. But that's okay. Because this is a God moment for us. 
we still have a God who is all-powerful. We still have plenty of problems. We still have people in the Quad Cities who need Jesus as their Savior. We still have a pastor who is passionate about reaching them and discipling people and a big mission for God. And so while some things will be different, some things are the same. So I've been asking myself, what do I say right now? And there are a couple of things I want to do. One thing is simply to say thank you. I want to thank you for the privilege of being your pastor for four decades. I want to thank you for partnering with me in the gospel and making a difference in the Quad Cities. I want to thank you for, for, for the, the way you have treated my family, my wife, my children. A lot of pastors uh, get beat up by their churches. I read this week that of every 20 men who enter pastoral ministry, only one retires from the ministry. The rest leave, beaten up or going to other professions, chasing money, chasing problems, something. So thank you for being the kind of church that has allowed me to pastor you for all these years. Now, with that seeming endless series of days behind me, I want to talk about today. I don't want to stand here and look back over 41 years because uh, it's not about looking back today. This is a day when we turn and we look forward at, at, at a string of days that lead out in the future with Sean as my senior pastor and with Sean as your senior pastor. There's a story in the Old Testament that occurs to me would be effective for this moment. Pastor Al actually alluded to it in his prayer. There was a prophet in the Old Testament, a guy named Elijah. His name meant Jehovah is God. His life was all about bringing glory to God. And people would have looked at him as a superstar pastor. I mean, he was the man in his day. And it, God did amazing things through him. But, but about six years before the end of his ministry, God told him to appoint a successor. A guy named Elisha. So he had Elijah and Elisha, and I don't know, you have John and Sean, and I don't know, the, I'm not sure what that is about. Sean didn't get picked because of his name. Although it means God is gracious, and God has been gracious to bring a son. But Elijah anoints Elisha, and Elisha leaves a very comfortable situation to become an itinerant prophet, walking along and serving alongside a senior elder leader. And then comes the day when uh, God's going to take Elijah home. He does it with a fiery chariot and a whirlwind and stuff like that. And, you know, maybe you've heard the old spiritual swing low sweet chariot based on that story. But uh, they pass through a couple of towns. They cross the Jordan. And then Elijah turns to Elisha. And in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 9, this is what it says. Tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? And Elisha replied, let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. Now the spirit Elisha was talking about was not enthusiasm. It was not, you know, I've got spirit, yes I do, I've got spirit, how about you? Not the little cheerleader thing, and if I were younger I might do the jump, but my knees aren't what they used to be. The spirit that Elisha was talking about was the spirit of God. God's anointing on Elijah. That which 
empowered him, that which emboldened him to take a stand for God when times were tough and, and risk was great. It was that that captivated his heart. And Elisha says to Elijah, I need that. Now there's an interesting play on words a little bit in the Hebrew language that what, what Elisha was asking was that God would repeat in his life what he had done through Elijah. But he said he, he, he didn't just want what Elijah had. He said he wanted a double portion. Basically he said, I want God to repeat through me what he's done through you except more. More. As I stand here today, all my heritage tomorrows have turned into a today, a here and now, a, a just this. And Sean, you're the man God has anointed and appointed to be our leader going forward. And I have been praying a prayer for you. And it is a prayer for more. More souls, more disciples, deeply committed followers of Christ, more kingdom impact, more campuses, more churches, more worldwide influence, more power, more life change, partnership with more people so God can use heritage to do more. And that has been my prayer for you. For years, I have told this congregation, wherever you are with God, there's more for you. That's true of you as well. My prayer is that God lifts you up and strengthens you and uses you in ways far beyond anything you've asked or even imagined. I'm praying for more. A little over a decade ago, I was standing in this very room in Rock Island, right in the back. Next to me was a young woman dressed in white. She put her arm in mine. The music started playing. I started walking down the center aisle, and there was this young barbarian waiting up there. And actually, he wasn't. He was a great guy. Josh was smiling at her with every fiber of who he was. And I will admit that it was a mixed emotion moment for Carrie's dad, for me. Um, I realized that things were changing between me and my daughter. I would no longer be the preeminent guy in her life. I hadn't been for a while, actually. She'd been in love for a year. But I would hand her off, and I would become secondary, and Josh would become primary in her life. And there was a sadness in that change. And yet there was this deep sense that this is the way it should be. Because this was a guy I had been praying for long before I knew anything about him. Praying for God to bring forth a man for my daughter who would love her and cherish her. Who would care for her. In such a way I've been praying for you, Sean. You are surrounded by... Uh, Heritage Church, the Bride of Christ. It's his church. It's not mine. It's not yours. She's been on my arm for 41 years. And now I take her hand and give it to you. Praying for more. Heritage, uh, I'm Senior Pastor Emeritus. Would you welcome Sean Cosin to share the word with us for the first time as Senior Pastor? I love you,
John, it's, it's with uh, great privilege and honor that I receive the responsibility from you. I do so with a great sense of humility and an even greater sense of expectation. Not because of anything I bring or anything of who we are, but because of who he is and what he brings. I'm reminded of a story of a man who went to the doctor. He had some tests done, and when the doctor finished the test, he came in and said to the man, I have some really bad news. If you do not change your lifestyle immediately, you will not live much longer. You're going to have to limit your work. You're going to have to have your wife make special meals for you, a special diet. You're going to have to sleep in, get more rest, work less not do any of the work around the house because that strain will add to your dysfunction in your body and it will ultimately lead to potential demise earlier than you desire. You're going to have to have your wife pick up the load waiting on you hand and foot or you will be dead within the month. If you can adjust your lifestyle, I think we can overcome this. The man was taken back, flabbergasted by the news from the doctor and he said, Doctor, I'm I'm not, I wasn't expecting this, and I'm not even sure I can give that news to my wife. Is there any way you could call her and speak with her before I get home? The doctor said, absolutely. The man left, and as he arrived home, his wife greeted him at the door, tears pouring down her face. She said, oh, honey, the doctor called. That's horrible news. You have no more than a month to live. <laughs> Sometimes we are not willing to do what it takes to experience more. But you, my brother, are not one of those people. And we are not one of those churches. For you, and we as a church, for years have set aside comfort. We've set aside things that would be easy. We've engaged in sacrifice so that more could know. I am inspired by that, and I'm grateful for it. Because I understand behind it is a truth. And that truth is simply this, that when we follow Jesus, the best is always yet to come. When we follow Jesus, the best is always yet to come. Do me a favor, turn to somebody next to you and say, the best is yet to come in Jesus. Turn to somebody at our campuses. The best is yet to come in Jesus. Now some of you said that with great enthusiasm. Another said that with a bit of a sheepish, I'm not really sure if that's true. But let me tell you that it is. When we follow Jesus, the best is always yet to come. Now you may ask, how do we know that? How can we know that for sure? How do we know the best is yet to come? And the reality is that there are lots of reasons or explanations or examples in Scripture, but if I could take all of them and summarize them into one specific reality, it is simply this. It is not about us, it's about Him. It is not about us, it is about Him. And because it is about who he is and what he has done, the expectancy of more is a simple reality. It is a fact. It is a truth. In fact, do this with me. Imagine this with me. We could break our life into three segments. We could say that this is the past, this is the present, and this is the future. This is where we have been. This is where we are. This is where we are going. Within this continuum is a, a balance or a a variety between known and unknown, and at some point in the journey they intermix in some kind of form or fashion in our life between the known and the unknown. And because of what we celebrated last weekend at Easter, that we serve a risen Lord, the resurrected Jesus, the one who lived and died and rose again, he now reigns as Lord of lords and King of kings over what was, 
what is and what is to come. That is a fact. Over what was, what is, and is to come. And here's the deal. We hear that. We look at that. We go, okay, I get that he reigns over what, what was, and I love it because I have had junk in my life. I have sinned. I have fallen short. Things have gone sideways. And I love that he is the Lord over what was, and he can wash away my sins. He can separate me as far as the yeast is from the west, uh, from those sins. And I love that what was doesn't have to be. And we can quickly jump into this reality that what is to come is a beautiful thing. We want to live with him forever and eternity. We want to have the hope of eternal life. We want to know that under the lordship of him, you could say this is him as savior and this is him as lord, we can live for eternity with him worshiping before the throne because he is the one who is lord over what is to come. This is where things get cloudy. This is... This is where we live. See, we live in the context of time. He lives outside of time. We do life here and now in the present. And sometimes we forget that he is king of kings and lord of lords over what is. And the power that allows sin to be washed away and the power that allows us to spend eternity in heaven is present power reality now in the present reality of life. Not only what was, what is, but is to come. We live in the present reality. Now, Paul, the missionary church planter, once said this in Galatians. He said, the life I now live in the body, present, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Look, it's not about us, it's about him. And and that seems easy enough, but even with a sense of expectancy that we can live towards what is, there is a difficulty in that middle seat. In that present now context, that especially in transition, transition can be hard, change can be hard, and it can bring a sense of anticipation or it can bring a sense of worry. There can be an element of excitement or it can be an element of fear, even when it's good and right. So I want to take a moment and highlight why we can live with expectancy even amidst uncertainty. In every area of life, not just in leadership transition, in every area of life, why we can live with certainty. See, that same guy Paul wrote this to the church in Philippi. Chapter 1, verse 6, he said, And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. That is a beautiful reality. That the God who sent the Son, Jesus, to live and die and rise again, is working through him, his Son, to make us more. To lead us to more. But we don't have a good balance between understanding the lordship over what was and is and is to come. We live in an imbalance. We can give more credit or more weight to certain areas of life. For example, we can give more weight to the past and we can find ourselves living stuck in the past. We can find ourselves longing for the past. We can find ourselves desiring the past. And that will always come at an expense in the context of what is and then what can be. And we serve a God who is over and above all of them. And we need to let his lordship and his power reign true and in and through us in every context. Jesus is always wanting more for us. The danger is that we inadvertently get in the way of that by protecting instead of pursuing. In fact, I believe that whenever we start protecting what we like, we stop pursuing what he loves. It may be a good thing that we like, But when we start protecting those things over what he loves, then we lose sight of chasing what he loves. Protecting changes our ability to lean expectantly towards the future for more. And ultimately see both the future and the past as Jesus does. 
Man, I understand, change is hard, but it is essential to see God's best. Without it, we have no hope for more. No hope for something better in life. Nothing beyond what was and maybe just what is. But praise be to God who works to see what he started to be completed. I love that about him. So let's just do this for a moment. I want to walk through a section of scripture. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. Cruising through Hebrews, James, you get the first and second Peter, first, second, third John, you're too far. I want to walk through this scripture, and I want to do it through the lens of past, present, and future. And I just want you to listen, I want you to follow along, and I want you to understand, in light of the God who was and is and is to come, what this scripture is ultimately saying. And I'm going to point just to help that process along. First Peter chapter 1, starting with verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all of this you greatly rejoice though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. I love it. I absolutely love it. That he who is outside of time, who was and is and is to come, radically changes how we can live in this seat. How we can look at past and future and live in the present. Just seven verses just give us a glimpse that the King of Kings and Lord of Lords enables us to build on the past, enables us to live powerfully in the present and to lean expectantly into the future. That's the God we serve. That's who he is and how he reigns and lives today. And I fully believe that true hope is not in outcomes or circumstances, but in Jesus Christ. To have hope in this life is not in the circumstances of life, but in the one who holds life, who offers life, the one who was and is and is to come. And if you find yourself today brokenhearted, struggling in an addiction, struggling in the storms of life, trying to make sense of what your future looks like, stuck in any way in life, you need to know and understand that he is the one who quiets the storms. He is the one who sets the prisoner free. He is the one who heals and restores. And he longs to lead you into the full potential that God created you to experience. Because he is the one who was and is and is to come. And I want to invite you tonight, today, before you go any further, to invite him who was and is and is to come. To not just reign over what was, And not just hope that he's going to be there in what is to come, but to live in the resurrection power in the present now.
whatever you're facing. It is him, not just Savior and Lord, but Savior and Lord that matters. As a church, we're going to increasingly reach the region for him. We're going to increasingly continue to love the people of the Quad Cities in such a way that they will know that the one who was and is and is to come understands the current trials and sufferings that they're in and he absolutely loves them. There are 200,000 people in the Quad Cities who do not yet know Jesus and God has positioned Heritage Church to be an instrument in changing that. And I can't wait to see what he does. It is my honor and privilege to be part of the journey, to have a small part playing the part of being Jesus in this place, in these cities, so that more can know him. So that he can do more than we could ever ask or imagine. And so as we prepare to step back into a time of worship as a church family, I simply want to offer a prayer. It's kind of a blessing. It's the prayer of the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 3. And I want to invite you to bow your heads as I kneel here and I pray and offer this before the Father as a hope and a blessing for us as a church as we step into this next season. Would you join me in prayer? For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more, more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And all God's people said,